Hello, bonjour, hello, hey, hiya, and previet hockey fans. Welcome to the Europuck Podcast. The show where two blokes from Blighty talk about everything to do with European hockey as part of the Hockey Podcast Network. From the Russian KHL to the Swedish Hockey League, the Finnish Liga to the Swiss National League, the British Elite League to the Alps Hockey League, we talk about anything and everything European hockey. Catch our podcast every Friday from August the 28th, however you get your podcasts, and on the Europuck Podcast YouTube channel. The Europuck Podcast, giving you guys European hockey. I'm Corey Crenshaw. I'm Richie Suave Flores. And this is Sporty with Corey and Richie Suave. On the Hockey Podcast Network. Welcome back in Sporty Nation. Um, I know you are all going through some crises right now, but you need to calm down. And to help me talk about that is my wonderful and amazing co-host, as always, Richie Suave Flores. How you doing? Hello, Corey. I um, today on today's show, what I've decided to do is I cheated on Dutch Bros. First of all, I feel bad. Because the line was too long prior to the show. So I decided to go to Starbucks instead. And I got their, their cold brew, which is delicious. So I'm all hopped up on Dutch Bros, or excuse or Starbucks cold brew right now. And so I'm like bouncing off the walls with caffeine energy right now. So I'm going to be like like a uh, little, little messy today. Because I'm going to be all over the place and crazy. I'm standing up right now. I'm not even sitting down to do the show. I'm literally standing and talking into the mic right now. That's how excited I am about this show. Thank you, Starbucks Cold Brew. <laughs> I can't wait for Starbucks to like just literally start taking over this Seattle Kraken. It's it's got to come sometime soon, where they just buy out everything, um, sponsorship wise, and just you know just take over the Kraken. It'll be the Kraken on coffee because I mean they're in Washington. Their Washington-based company, and their thing is a mermaid. So them teaming up with a Kraken just seems like the most logical solution. That like just Starbucks everywhere. Yeah, these. I mean, we already know how Amazon is has the naming rights to the arena. So we Amazon's going to be all over the place, and so is Starbucks. So the two, well, two of the biggest companies in the United States of America are going to take over the Kraken. Yeah, capitalism at its finest, people. Just take it all over. Who needs competition? <laughs> nope. But if Starbucks, they have some money left over, they can sponsor the show if they want. Yeah, I mean, if if they want to give us, even if they just want to give us free cold brew, I'd be happy with that. Yeah, absolutely. 110% I'd be down with that. Because I haven't had their cold brew in a while. But um, So this is the first time in, in a while I've had them, and it's... It's so good. Like, it's just, this is, the one I'm in particular I'm drinking is the dark chocolate almond milk foam on top, so, and it's great. And it wants to, like, mix it together. Perfect perfect mix of chocolate, which is a little bit sweeter, and the and the, the coffee, which is 
a little eh, not like not like not like too bitter, but on on the bitter side compared to like the nitro cold brew that they have. So um, very great combination. I recommend it. Um, as we have turned this podcast, because since the coyotes are out now and we don't have a lot to talk about, we're just going to turn this podcast into um, a coffee podcast where we just review coffee on every episode. On every episode. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be remotely surprised considering the fact that, like, my kitchen has, during quarantine, has turned into, like, a coffee shop. Like, I have a Keurig... Um, my boyfriend missed brewing like actual coffee. So he got, he just ordered a cough an actual like old school coffee pot to come in. Um, <laughs> we also got a milk frother and um, I also got this little traveler sized um, thing that makes espresso. So um, I can do a bunch of it from my house. And I like, I have an, an obsession with cold brew so i already have like a, a container that can make cold brew so any coffee needs i've got them all <laughs> yeah pretty soon we'll have a cut nice coffee party and it'll, and it will be great so you're like you have you're way more ahead of the game than i am like i only have the we we literally just bought a keurig what at the beginning of quarantine back in march or april and so we're like we we Cat and I pale in comparison to you and Scotty at this point. We need to get on your level of coffee making. I I don't know. I just got very addicted to coffee while I was like, and I'm usually very sensitive to coffee. So I don't know if it's just that I like was bored and was wanting to make a lot of coffee when I was on quarantine. But uh, yeah, it's gotten to a whole nother level. I mean, it doesn't mean that I haven't still gotten, um, uh, there's a human being by me, and I, I absolutely love that place. They have a great vanilla latte. Um, and then uh, I have been getting the cold brew at Starbucks, too, but I've been getting the cinnamon almond milk foam, which is really good, too. So if you're not a chocolate person, you can do the cinnamon um, almond almond milk foam. But uh, I the one that Richie gets is really good, too. I like mochas a lot. Um, so if you like a mocha, it's like a cold version of a mocha. It's good. And I'm very excited because we're getting close to pumpkin spice season too. Oh, yes. Your basic bitch is coming out again, Richie. Pumpkin spice latte days are coming up soon. That is correct. Yeah, I haven't. Yeah, I think last year was the first time I ever actually tried a pumpkin spice latte. I, I never gave into it until last year and i actually did i enjoyed it and they have like last year starbucks came out with the pumpkin spice like nitro cold brew and it's like the pump you put the it's like a pumpkin spice thing on top oh my god that was freaking delicious it puts the it puts the pumpkin spice frappuccino and the iced pumpkin spice latte just throw that in the throw those in the trash it's all about the the pumpkin spice cold brew that they came out with last year. And I'm excited for them to come out with again. Because usually they put it out in like September now. Like it seems like it's coming out earlier and earlier. And especially that we're... Yeah, it's like Christmas. It's taking over. Yeah. And especially since we're coming to the end of quarantine for the mo- for a lot of people. it's That'd be the perfect opportunity to come out with pumpkin spice season. That uh, You 
just reminded me of the most magical thing, which was their because like their pumpkin spice latte was like I liked it, but it wasn't anything that like I would rave for. But I totally forgot. I blacked out of my memory the cold brew uh, with the pumpkin spice like foam and stuff on the top. That was really freaking good. Yeah, oh, I'm really excited now. That's the I totally one, yeah. forgot about that. That's the one I'm talking about. And it was, it's freaking delicious. It's just like on another level. I totally forgot about that. I was thinking about the pumpkin spice latte, which is which is it's good. I mean, I I don't crave it, but that was really freaking good. I uh, down from my work, there's like a Starbucks. It's like maybe 10 minutes. I mean, I, Starbucks has turned into, you know, like McDonald's or a gas station or anything like you can find one everywhere. So, um I that is true. During last fall, I would take a break from work, like a 10-minute break just to go and like drive and get those for like me and my coworkers. So yeah, okay. I'm excited. I'm really excited about that. I totally forgot about that. I don't know how I blacked out that whole section of my year last year. Here's an update. So according to Business Insider, an internal memo for the Seattle-based company stated that the drinks will return on Tuesday, August 25th. That would be the earliest ever recorded launch of the signature fall drink. One Twitter user spotted a sign at a Starbucks inside a Target in Wisconsin, which seemed to back up the theory. However, earlier this month, a California location had posted on Instagram that the pumpkin spice launch would be on August 28th. So it's probably coming this week. Oh, my gosh. I'm just frothing at the mouth like with excitement over this. But, I mean, oh, bitch. Thinking about fall right now is not even not even in my memory like it's it's not like i can't remember what it feels like to be cold i yeah i know yeah it's freaking ridiculous 100 it was 115 for frick's sakes on a consistent basis i think we've broken every summer record there is here in arizona now with the with the temperatures so it can't get here fast enough as far as i'm concerned and I'm also excited for the temperatures to drop because um, once the temperature got above like 90, like I stopped running. So I, I, I've i been in this two month span of not working out, which is a bad thing. But once the once we get the the gym at uh, at my apartment complex back open, temperatures drop. Oh, baby. Oh, baby. Ripped Richie is going to be back with a vengeance in the fall. <laughs> Ripped dick back in action. <laughs> you have no idea how I'm how excited I am for that. I am super excited. I'm excited for that too. I I um I've spent a lot of my quarantine doing workouts at home. Like I've been working out a shit ton since I got into quarantine. Apparently, according to all this, all I've really done was make coffee and and work out. Now I sound very strange, but um I uh I basically have been working out since I have the time because once I'm back to work, it's literally like there is no time for me to do anything other than work. I guess maybe now that I won't have anywhere to go other than home, I can just work out at home some more. But I have been working out at home like crazy and it's part of the only thing that's kept me mentally sane. So um, I'm really excited that you're going to get to get back to the point where you can be doing all of your workouts that make you mentally happy because as much as everyone likes to like work out 
because they're like, oh, you know, I want to be physically in shape. Like it's it's really great for your mental health too. I I 100% agree because there's a part of me that actually really misses it because I'm not I've never been the biggest workout fiend in the world, but I I try to like do it on a on a somewhat consistent basis outside of the two months that I haven't worked out here, but for a while there I was doing it I was doing it a lot and even when I was back home with my parents I I had a gym membership so I'd try and go at least a couple times a couple or three times a week so I'm and uh, and it felt good like I I actually thoroughly enjoyed doing it I enjoyed hopping on a, a bike and, and spinning. So, and I, I, I've gotten into running obviously over the last t- uh, couple months because of the 5k and I want to do it again. Cause coming up in October is the diamondbacks like charity cancer for cancer awareness, 5k coming up. And I want to be able to do that. And which is in the second week of October. So we are about a month and a half away from that. So I'll be able to train for that. And I, I, uh, I'm, I'm excited. So I mean, now the Coyotes are out of the playoffs. I got nothing else to do. My my playoff beard has gone now. I, if you're following us on Twitter at Corey underscore Richie Show, I posted a before and after picture of my playoff beard being gone, and um, so that was a that was a tough time. I, I I was like I was kind of really sad when I was getting rid of it. I was sad because the Coyotes were out of the playoffs, but I also felt really good because it gets it it was starting to get super itchy and really annoying. So I was like, okay, good. Good riddance. But I did send a picture to Corey where um, I I was I had gotten rid of everything except for my mustache. And Okay. Let me let me start something here. We got some from THPN, we got some of our uh, numbers in on like and and I guess so the majority of people um, that watch our show are men. And and I know that there is like uh, quite a few ladies out there that that listen and we appreciate you all um but so for all of those men that listen the mustache especially that like cop mustache you know the one that's like in all the 80s movies went out in the 80s please don't keep that mustache even when it has like you know austin matthews has like a mustache that he thinks is cool and um and everything it makes him look like a creepy bond villain so no no to the mustache. No to just a mustache. If you, um, you know, are doing like a whole like mustache and beard thing, then okay. But no to just the mustache. It looks creepy and I can't. Just just wanting to say that. There is maybe a 10% of the population that can pull it off. There's like a 10%. And you have to be like, I feel like on the older side. You know, like it, it makes it makes sense. But like for on especially on younger people, it just looks very outdated and kind of creepy. Just wanting to say that. Wanting to put that out there. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, that's perfectly fine. Because I just I sent it to you as a joke, by the way. I hope you understand that I was never Oh no, you you went I know one hundred percent that you sent it to me as a joke. But I just felt like you bringing that up was my moment to do that little PSA that I've been meaning to get out there. Like, I don't even think we need to do Corey's corner anymore because that was my little rant that I needed to get out was, was the mustache thing that just bothers me. There you go. That was Corey's corner presented by coolhockey.com. Go to coolhockey.com slash THPN enter the promo code THPN again, and you get 30% off of your brand new Jersey and you get to, and you can get a brand new Jersey for, you know, 30% off. It's uh, it's great. I'd, I'd consider doing it now uh, if you get the chance. So go ahead and do that. And uh, yeah, no mustache for me ever, for the love of goodness. My dad's had a mustache for 
25 years or however long as as long as i can remember he's had one so um um and he he pulls it off perfectly fine but i i can't so it don't worry it's not coming back i'll stick but like i said there is guys that can pull it off and they usually are older like you you've got to be on the older side for it to look normal yeah exactly and um yeah there's we have a there's a uh picture of my of my dad from when he i think he was around my age in his mid-20s or so and he he was he was rocking a mustache back then which was this was back in the in the 70s you know so (laughs) well that's why i said like up until the 80s it was normal but then once you get into like the 80s it just started getting weird and and it was i don't think it was the mustache's fault i think it was society made the mustache weird well, yeah, one hundred percent. It just it's it's a fad that went away. I think the mustache got replaced by the goatee. That's what most most people do now, which is c- kind of what I I tend to do for for if I'm trying to go outside just a full beard, I go with the goatee, and I can pull. It Actually, off. I think the the show to catch a predator killed the mustache. <laughs> I I genuinely think it did. I think that show, like the timing that it came through and everything, I think that show killed the mustache. I wonder. You know what? You might be. You might be right there. Yeah, and like the porn mustache, obviously. Yes. Because I don't. Yeah, it's not. It's definitely not in. Not in the. Uh, not much talked about anymore, as far as like a main style, like. Which is other than like the the mustache competitions, which is pretty great. Um, well, I mean, like some people have like the really like stylish ones with like the curly cues at the side and stuff like that. That is like like a statement. It's it's pulling off like an actual statement. It's not just like a casual mustache, you know? Right. Oh, here we go. Here's um here's a, uh, a one last stat on this before we move on and actually talk about the coyotes. Uh, in two thousand eight. A poll from a British newspaper, The Guardian, 61% of respondents found the mustache to be gentlemanly and sophisticated, while 39% believed it was worn only by, quote, fiends or fools. Make what make you will of that. <laughs> maybe, maybe in other countries. Maybe that's like a gentlemanly thing in like other countries. And, and, and I mean, that is, you know, as Americans, we don't particularly, you know... We don't do the more, you know, gentlemanly gender type of roles as much, I think, any any more as we used to. At least I I don't think people um, stick to that as much as they used to. I mean, it, it, it still, you know, is nice when men like pull out chairs and stuff like that. But like, I don't think it's the same as like, we're not as proper. There you go. Americans aren't as proper as like another country. So it might be more of like a gentlemanly, like proper thing in like other countries. I don't know. I, I, I haven't even been able to go outside of my own freaking house basically for the past like six months. So what do I know? 90% of men shave once a day. Shaving uses up a total of five months of a man's life. If he starts at the age of 14. Oh, damn. I don't even want to know how much of my life is spent shaving. I don't even want to know. If just shaving a man's face takes up th- that much time, uh, I don't want to know how much of my life is spent shaving. I really don't. Razors and blades are $1.1 billion industry. Oh, damn right. I mean, this would be a great time to point out Manscaped. 
you're right. Let's yeah, we should probably do that. I actually just went on manscaped.com and I used the promo code THPN because I just bought their like nail clippers because my my nails were getting super gnarly and I, I have actually never owned my own pair of nail clippers. So I'm I'm one of those people that tends to bite my nails a lot. Um and so I was like, oh, I can't do that. I'm we need to we need to clean it up here a little bit. So Manscaped, I bought the Shears 2.0 and I used the promo code so I got those for $15 because I got 20% off of my order and I got free shipping on it. It came in less than a week. They're great. It's beautiful. Do it manscaped.com promo code THPN. Absolutely beautiful richie absolutely beautiful um but moving on into our actual hockey related topics now that we've talked for like 20 minutes about all of the randomness of our quarantine um i'm sure you all don't want to be brought back to this time um but the last two games of the coyotes avalanche series was absolutely disastrous um, they made me come back on my commentary from last episode where I said this was really nice. It was very unlike the Coyotes. They were clearly outmatched, but they hadn't given up and they were acting very resilient. Uh, I wouldn't say they gave up, but I would say that they got overwhelmed, frustrated. It was more... To me, it came off more in a sense of like a kid who goes into school and is is behind and can't learn the concepts that are being done in the class. So they just kind of give up because they're frustrated and they don't understand what's going on. That's what they they looked and felt very much out of their league like they were outmatched. They knew it. And they kind of folded into their own little protective ball and tried to just get through it and get out of it. Like they did not feel comfortable and wanted to get out of that situation. It, it felt like as soon as possible. Yeah. And, you know, Rick Tockett mentioned that after what game four, when they lost seven to one, he was like, yeah, it, it, in this bubble situation, it, you have guys who want to be here and you have guys that don't. And in game four, I felt like they didn't want to be here. And I think that was game four and five in a nutshell where there were a lot of guys who were like, Listen, we're up against it in this series. You know, we we don't really have much of a chance here. We all just want to go home. That's kind of what it felt like, and it's unfortunate. But uh, you and I, we didn't think they'd win against Colorado in terms of winning the series. So it was kind of an inevitable inevitability that they would lose that series, and of course they did in five games. You know, it's just a sour taste to have the season end like they did. But you know, I after the games, like I, a lot of people on Coyotes Twitter were in a they were going you know, overboard in terms of like, oh, blow it up. Oh, this team sucks. Get rid of Coach Tockett, blah, 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 blah. And they were overreacting when in reality, overall, if, when you look at the season as a whole, more often than not, it was uh, still a success in my opinion. And I don't know if you agree with me on that, but, you know, you, you had a season where they were a playoff team up until Darcy Kemper got hurt. Once Darcy Kemper got hurt, they fell off a cliff. They weren't able to recover. They got lucky with the the new NHL rules for this year and the qualifying round, and they, they managed to win that, which was a pretty big deal. And we talked about, after those games, how big wins those were. Those were the biggest wins the Coyotes have had since 2012 on that route. And so, and you got a playoff win against the Avalanche. 
So overall, I think this season was a success, and in my opinion, there's no need to to blow the whole thing up. There's going to be a lot of changes for this team in the future, as we're going to talk about here as we move along in this episode. But um, before, here is, I put out a poll this week, Corey, or actually right after Game 5, in fact, where I was kind of curious to kind of get the the read of the room from Coyotes fans in terms of whether they wanted to retool or rebuild and a lot of votes on this poll, a lot of great responses too. And retool one with 67% of, of the vote. So I want to ask you the, the poll question. Do you think they should rebuild or do you think they should retool? And what do you think is kind of the difference between the two? Okay. So I, I agree with the, what was it? 67%. Yep. Um, with the retooling, um, for those of you that say rebuild, um, to quote Taylor Swift, you need to calm down. Um, you know, this team still is a good progression considering the fact that before this, the team had not made it to the playoffs since 2012. Yes, they made it into the playoffs because of, of, you know, the pandemic and this new structure and all of this, but, um, you know, they still were a progressing team. This is still a better team than the that the than the Coyotes have had in years. Um, so I would say retooling. So the the difference between retooling and rebuilding is when you retool, you are really just looking for those key players that the team is missing. So you're just trying to get rid of some that you don't think are working on this team and replace them with the places that you essentially think will put that team over the top a rebuild is to literally just rip the entire team apart and keep only the essentially the skeleton or the the core of the team together and then rebuild completely all around that and make the team into something new i i don't think and and this maybe you guys might be telling me i need to calm down but I think going for a full rebuild again is going to be horrible for this team that finally has gained some hype, has gained some notice. And to have to go through another three to five years of rebuilding this team, hoping that um, the Coyotes get lucky in um, the in, in the NHL draft, lottery which has been known to be completely unpredictable and you know everyone jokes about it almost being rigged because of the fact that you know there are teams that are god awful and they still don't even get remotely good um top picks so to put your hands in that type of a situation put the team in that type of a situation i don't think is the best idea either i just think that going forward this team needs to retool and get some really key positions that have been needed like there needs to be better guys on the on the blue line there needs to be a a star center on this team and really there needs to be a a consistent line a consistent line of goal scorers and that's something that this team has really lacked the most is consistency throughout the past couple seasons, honestly, like there has been no player that I could really count on. Even when you brought in um, Hall and Kessel, it, it, they still didn't even seem once they came here, it was um, to outside of hockey type of 
reference, it was like when Granky came to uh, the D-backs. It seemed as if they were great outside, but as soon as they came into the fold, it didn't look classic them. It looked like them with a bit of Coyote's rust on it. And that is the problem I keep seeing is and feeling is that players are coming in here and they aren't performing at their best. They did say that the locker room seemed to be great this year. Um, I don't know what exactly is going wrong, but there's something that is preventing this team. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that they try to bring in great talent and they try to make it so it's, a you know, they are highly competitive. But in the end, a lot of this team is a bunch of guys that try really hard but are never going to be at that level. So it's a lot of um, effort with without always results, and that can tear people down and really break them apart over time. Yeah, I think you kind of nailed it there. In, in my opinion, I think this team can retool and make it back to the playoffs next season. And granted, there are going to be some changes, right? You have some guys who are who are going to be UFAs, you know, Carl Soderberg, Taylor Hall, Brad Richardson. Then you have restricted free agents like Vinny Henestrosa and Christian Fisher, Ilya Labushkin. So you have some guys who are, they have to try and figure out what they want to do with them. And I think this team can still be good next year, in the, but the only way they're going to have that happen is if these younger players perform. And that's what it comes down to if if uh, Nick Schmaltz, if uh, Clayton Keller, if Barrett Hayden, if Christian Fisher, if Connor Garland, if um, those guys can perform, then this team can still, you know, fill some holes with some cheaper veterans and they can still make a run at it, in my opinion, right? So that's what's kind of what you're, what you're counting on. Remember... Darcy Kemper's coming back next year. He's still got three years, or excuse me, two years left on his contract. So at four and a half million dollars. And, you know, I think they can, if Steve Sullivan is is the guy, and I, I really think he should be, I think he deserves a chance rather than bringing in another retread or, 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 or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And Craig Morgan had a great article up on Sunday about, the, about Steve Sullivan. If you haven't had a chance to read it, go read it. And so... That's what they got to do, in my opinion, is you got to pick and choose, kind of bring in some cheaper veterans, maybe move off of some of these more expensive contracts, like a you know an Alex Goligoski, who I think you can move on from, like a um, like somebody else in the, in the lineup that you can move on from, like a Brad Richardson, etc., and get a little bit cheaper, and and try and find a way to plug those holes with cheaper veterans. You know, I think Antti Ranta is a guy who who is pro, who is a likely trade candidate um this offseason and that's four and a half million dollars off your books so it's a, there's a lot to handle here but at the end of the day if the coyotes can get their younger players to to play you know like they should on a more consistent basis we saw Clayton Keller I think actually play pretty solid during the playoffs for the most part right um and then I think this team can still make the playoffs next year. It's just a matter of trying to pick and choose, you know, what they want to do and 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 trying to get it under that cap because I don't think Taylor Hall is coming back. And, you know, and the big question is Oliver Ekman-Larsen, 
Which let me uh, get to this audio, Corey, and then you can. I'll let you. Uh, you you can come in after the fact here, and give your thoughts on the future of Oliver Engman Larson. But here is Elliot Freeman from Sportsnet over the weekend, and he was talking about not only Oliver Engman Larson, but you'll hear him first talk about the Arizona Coyotes search for a general manager. Well, a couple of different things. First of all, they're going to open up their GM search. Steve Sullivan is the interim, and I've heard that there are other teams interested in Sullivan to join their front offices if he's not going to be the long-term solution or if he would prefer to go elsewhere. I mean, he's got options from what I understand, but Arizona is going to open up uh, the search, and they're going to interview some people there and see what they want to do. Now, the other thing is, and you know, I have to say, I don't have 100% clarity on this right now, but I think one of the th- storylines that's going to be interesting to watch there with the Coyotes in the offseason is the future of Oliver ekman Larson. He's their captain. He's signed to a long-term deal. He's got seven years left. He's got a no-move clause. Um, you know, it, it could come down to what ownership wants to do, too, what the new GM thinks, too. I've just been told it's a story to keep an eye on, on ekman Larson and his future in Arizona. Yeah, that has actually expanded a little bit over the past like couple days, um, you know, from different various people. And and there had been said that there had been talks between um, management and OEL and the fact that um, they weren't particularly happy this year with his um, his leadership. He he really as a person. and, And this was part of the reason why I never. Uh, was supportive of his him being t- him taking over the captaincy because yeah, both of I for mean, the record both of us I think were were pretty open about thinking that we didn't think he deserved the captaincy at the time right oh yeah absolutely like we we tried to give him the benefit of the doubt once he re- received it because of the fact that you know like Talkit did his due diligence he made he made everyone an assistant captain that first year to try and feel it out and then he gave it from there and you know like Oliver had made some strides in trying to you know um on the front of getting the team out there and doing like charity events and doing things that you would normally see from like donor um you could see him trying to do those things but the way that and, and he's he's a great guy there's nothing like against him but it just his personality is so much more self-reflective and he is so in his own world that him being able to motivate the team in front of him and to be able to really focus on all of the people on his team instead of just what is going on with him is not always the easiest for him he's not the loudest guy in the room and when he is down on himself for his play it it's hard for him to really try and motivate people so he doesn't really have that fire that you would want in a captain and so it's i don't blame them and i'm not surprised sadly that this is where it's coming at like from an assistant uh captain point of view like it sure yeah he i think he would be fine but to be the captain of the team it just it never really made a lot of sense to me he never had that ability for leadership some people are great leaders and some people just aren't it's just who they are as people and i never saw that in him um so i think that was really frustrating for them for one because of the fact that you know they he really wanted that and they took that leap on him and he really didn't show up for that and 
um, you know, the other part of it, I think, too, was that people kept on pointing out that there was a really awkward um, situation after one of the, the post conferences of what he had said and where he had taken like credit, like saying it was his fault and stuff like that. And it was just a very awkward situation. I think his inability to um, really vocalize to his team has also created some type of uncomfortable and awkwardness amongst that too and i think he feels that way too and so it wouldn't shock me if he's also looking for a fresh start because i think he feels um not as comfortable as he thought he would be and you know this market's not always the easiest you know it's it's nice because you can go out and not be noticed half the time but at the same time you don't have that uh consistent fan support and you don't have like it's not this isn't necessarily a hockey town so you have to it's it's a constant push to try and make this team noticed and that's a lot of pressure over time and to spend your career here is not always the easiest thing to do like uh, i don't think people give uh shane Doan credit enough for it but um i definitely think after his play and his inability to lead this year it's definitely not that big of a surprise that there's a big question mark on what's going on with Oliver Ekman Larson. And we have covered on this show previously how it's it's out there that OEL and Tockett's styles don't really mesh all that well, right? Where Tockett's more of a vocal type of guy and he wants his team to be vocal and talk, where OEL is more quiet and and more in the line of you know, it's it's a little bit different from Shane Doan because I think Shane Doan was more of the vocal type of leader, and and OEL is is not that right. Where where he's a little bit more, a little bit a lot more quiet, and and lets everybody else do their thing. So, you know, maybe and maybe that's why Oliver has kind of struggled over the last couple of years. His numbers have kind of leveled off now to where he's more of a guy who instead of you know, somebody was going to put up, you know, sixty points a season. And he, at one point, he scored 23 goals, right, which is which was a team record. He's more of a guy who's going to get you between 30 and 45 points a season, which is fine. It's you know, it's 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 that's a a, a nice defenseman, but he's that's not an eight and a half million dollar defenseman like Oliver Ekmanson's contract is now for the next gosh six years, right? So. Maybe it is time to move on from OEL. Do I think he gets moved? I it's going to be really tough because. That contract, I don't know if anybody's going to want that contract unless the Coyotes retain some salary. And if they do trade him, I don't know if their return is going to be a heck of a lot. So it's basically going to basically it's basically going to be like, hey, do you guys want to give Oliver and Larson a fresh start? Okay, well, we don't really have much to offer you except for a mid-round draft pick, um, but we'll take that salary and that contract off of your off of your hands. So I'm wondering if that's not the case where. If they do decide to move him, he goes to a team with some decent uh, decent cap space. The Cowboys retain, you know, two or three million dollars of it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And then, and then the you know they they give the Cowboys a mid round draft pick because I don't think they're going to get a first round or second round draft pick for him. Maybe maybe it's a situation where you trade him to a team that has somebody else who needs a fresh start. I've seen him, Toronto, the Maple Leafs pop up in around some of these rumors because Toronto needs some defensemen, right? And maybe you see a move where it's like an Oliver Ekman Larson for a, a Willie Nylander type of situation where it's, a, you know, two guys with he- hefty contracts where, you know, Willie Nylander is kind of the odd man out there 
in that situation. Obviously, he held out for quite a while for his most recent contract. So, who knows? I I I would hate to see him go in a way because you know he a lot of fans love him here in Phoenix, right? He's the captain. To try and trade your captain like that would be a, a lot to handle, but. You know, like Friedman said, there just something to watch if they can, if they want to get rid of them, and it's going to be. I think it's going to be, it's going to be tough to do to move on from that contract, in my opinion, and and that's going to be the biggest, I think, point of contention around the league is trying to offload that big, long what one, two, three, four, five, six, seven year contract. Basically, he's got eight point two million dollars per season. Yeah, and I'm going to kind of come out with a hot take here, but uh, and I uh, 100% agree in the fact that it's going to be very hard to deal him off, but I would actually like to have him seen being dealt off. And it's not just because of everything. I also just feel like it is in his best interest to not be here anymore. I just don't think it's it's fitting him very well anymore. And I think a fresh start is kind of what he needs for his own career as well. I just don't think if he stays here that he'll be able to flourish the way that his, his career can. Yeah. I think it's, I think that's kind of what we're getting to the point. And it's crazy. Like if you think of Oliver Larson has been a coyote for 10 seasons, right? You started as a 19 year old in 2010, 2011, and he's still here at the age of now 28 going on 29. And, uh, it would be, you know, and he, that's all he knows. He, that's all he's ever known is the Arizona Coyotes. And so you have to imagine for him, if he goes to a team elsewhere, it's going to be tough for him because he was a kid. He was a legit kid when he started with the Coyotes back in 2010, 2011. And, um, and so, yeah, we'll see. I think, uh, you know, whoever the GM is, is uh, got a hefty task. Cause again, like we talked about, you know they their their cap situation is is interesting, right? You you have a team that they need to try and figure out who stays and who goes on this team because you had so many players underperform this season and and uh, after those last two games. So um, you know that I I well we're gonna get we have time now to talk about it, try and figure out who stays and who goes on this on this roster um, and who the GM should be. Um, which is uh, interesting too. You know, I've, there's some names that the Craig Morgan had some names int- that were bounding about, and I uh, Shane Doan was actually one of them. Which for, I hope that doesn't happen. Like he has no business being a general manager in this league right now, considering he hasn't been in the front office for at any time at all. Right? I saw Sean Burke get a mention. I wouldn't mind seeing Sean Burke get the job. He I think he deserves it. He's been in, in and around the league for a long time. He's at Coyotes games all the time. We see, I see him in the elevator all the time and in the press box all the time. So, who knows? I think, like I said, I think Steve Sullivan deserves a shot to remake this team, in my opinion. And uh, and so, I, I they got to make a hire quick because the free agency and the draft is literally right after the season ends in early October. So, uh, we're almost out of time on this episode. Do you do you want to rant about Mike Milbury for a second, Corey? I'll give you a I'll give you your uh, Corey's Corner 2.0, so you can rant about Mike Milbury because that guy, fuck that guy. Just well, well, I I want to do very quickly um, a little bit about like about Steve Sullivan, and then um, and then actually I'll let you go first because I have I have an interesting take on that. So I, I really want to hear yours first, and then I'll I'll respond. Um, but about Steve Sullivan, I I really think that no matter how this team goes, is going to completely depend upon what 
GM they bring in and what type of style that that GM has about like what their thoughts are. Um, so there's a lot of predictions we can't make until we know what GM that is and, and what their type of style is. Um, Steve Sullivan, I think, should get um, an opportunity because of the fact that he was there. He was taking on a lot of tasks for Chaika because of the fact that, you know, Chaika was very young, was very fresh. So he leaned on him quite a bit. So I, I think that would be actually really interesting for Sullivan to be in that position because of the fact that he had um, he, he knows what went into all the stuff previously and where this team because it's not that this team everyone is acting like this team has hit an end point like this is the best they can get I feel like they're still growing and like it's hard to just throw someone into that and then just tell them like oh here you go now grow it to where it was meant to be there were you know it hasn't hit that end yet so um it would be nice because he has that insight and then two he's Five, he was five foot nine going into like juniors and trying to make a, a name for himself in hockey. And he was constantly a person that was underestimated. So the fact that he created not only a hockey career for himself, but then he created a career for himself after he retired, like that was also, you know, he's, he's a fighter and that's kind of the feeling of the coyotes that, has been around since they moved here basically you know it's it's not always been easy to be a coyote and to be a coyotes fan but it takes those type of people that have that type of grit to get through it so i would really like to see him have an opportunity to try and show himself and really present himself i think it's going to come down to you know um, morello has his own vision for this team and i think he's a lot more uh hands-on with things than um any of our previous owners. So um, I think that's going to be a big factor in that decision-making as well. But um, go, you go with the Millberry thing and then, and then I'll respond. But one last point before you move up, before I rant about Mike Millberry, um, there's been a lot of Coyotes fans who are calling for Rick Tockett's head and that he should be fired. Give me a break. Oh yes, give calm me, down about that. Give me, give me a break. All right, we we'll get into that more as the as we, the episodes progress, but it's ridiculous. Anyway, Mike Milbury. Yeah. So in case you missed it, and you you had to have seen it by now, uh, he is now off the NBC broadcasts um, because he made a disgusting remark on an NBC broadcast where essentially he was making fun of the fact that there's no women around the rink to distract the players. And it was absolutely disgusting, but this is not the first time that Mike Milbury's done this. You remember back in the day, he called, uh, PK Subban a clown. He has disparaged just about everybody possible. He is, doesn't bring anything to the freaking broadcast for love of goodness. I never listened to Mike Milbury and gone, oh, that's an interesting point. He is an old white dude. He's an old Boston white dude. He is everything wrong with hockey culture. I'm so glad that NBC decided to put him on the back burner for now. I hope the next step is going the same way as Jeremy Roenick and getting him as far away off the NBC broadcast as humanly possible. He has no business being on air and talking about hockey in the future um, there's been some great pieces from women around the country about this, and I suggest you go read them. One of them was from Katie Strang in The Athletic, who you know basically said this is you know this is bullshit. I'm sick of this shit, 
And another great piece from, from of course, our friend Kat Silverman, who uh, up in Toronto in the Toronto Star. You can go read that. And, yeah, I think it's just disgusting. I'm sick of hockey culture being this way, and I want every single one of them, the Ronicks of the world, the Mike Milbrays of the world, gone. Get rid of them. Get them on my TV screens. They have no business being around the sport. And I'm so glad so many people that I saw on Twitter, for the most part, were like good freaking riddance. Yeah, so obviously this gained so much traction because of the fact that Milbury is who he is. And, you know, there's a certain point where, you know, not people are not only tired of you, they just want you gone. Like, and that is the point that people have hit with him is the fact that, like, he's gotten so many chances that it has it literally he has tired everyone out. Like everyone is just tired of his shit basically at this point. Um, One of the things that like, uh, the reason why I say I have an interesting point of view on this is because it's funny because I wasn't as frustrated by his comment as I was by the reaction to his comment by some people. So when I was, I didn't find out until like the next day I was like, looking at everything on Twitter and and reading about it and watched about the video and everything. And, you know, obviously that people have seen all of the different people like trying to defend him saying like, Oh, you know, he didn't really like mean it that way or this wasn't his intention and all these different things. And, um, and during that, it became a, a fight amongst people saying like, oh, well, you know, you guys are just overreacting. It's it's only because it's him. And it's and it became more of an argument about that. And I felt like there was a point that was really missed in it. And, and I had tweeted this out because I felt like it was being overlooked. Like what he said was shitty and what he um, he as a person, as a very shitty person and the things that he says are very wrong should he be fired yes should he have been fired a long time ago yes but in the end this should point out to you that what the bigger problem is here if you really think that women being around the sport distracts the players enough that they can't play the game do their job that they are paid a fuck ton of money to do and are, you know, the the whole reason why athletes, quote unquote, are paid as much as they're paid is because they are the 1%, you know, they're the best of the best that are able to get into these positions. If they are the best of the best and they can't focus on the one thing that they're brought in to, to do in their job, which is play hockey and win a fucking cup, that is a problem that the players fucking have. That is a problem within your organization if that is what is going on here. If that is what is the the, the deeper thing here where he he's genuinely saying like, oh, well, you know, like the players get very distracted when it become when there's women around and stuff like that. And it's just, you know, like it, it felt very much like when I was in high school and I would get dress coded and would have to literally wear a big shirt that had my school on it um and everyone would know you got dress coded it was like a shameful thing like because i would wear a razorback shirt that would show my shoulder blades and they determined that my shoulder blades were too sexual for the men at my high school fucking ridiculous but 
it was very like that the commentary to me felt very much in the same realm of that in the fact that how is it their fault how is it women's fault in any of this that they are a distraction you know at no point like even if they go there and they're completely flaunting themselves trying to get the attention of the players that should not fucking matter they're adults they should be able to do their fucking job. If someone came in half naked to my job and I was like saying, oh, like, I, I, I'm sorry, I couldn't get my job done because like this guy came in half naked at work. My, You know what my boss would say? Suck it the fuck up and get your job done. Why are you even focusing on them? They're totally irrelevant to your job. So the fact that I, I, I'm really glad that it got the attention that it needed for, for the misogyny and like the sexism that's in it but i don't feel like it's acknowledged in the fact that like that that's a problem that if that's your your idea of like culture that you think that what should be removed is the women out of the situation because the men are too weak to handle themselves then you need to find yourself some fucking stronger men because that's some dumb shit. And to assume that when a lot of them are married and have kids and, you know, they're probably what they're more distracted by right now is the fact that we're in a fucking pandemic and they're worried about the health and wellness of their family. It, it just, the fact that that wasn't a topic of discussion bothered me a little bit and the fact that people wanted to nitpick at his words and not really look at the fact that this if this is what is truly being said here then that's a problem all on its own and why are you not acknowledging that why are you shaming the women for something that is clearly those players problem and with that we will wrap up this edition of Sporty with Corey and Richie. Follow us on the Twitters and the Instagrams. We have links up there for our merchandise store. We put some new merch up this week that Corey designed, and they look awesome. Get Behind the D, Darcy, Darcy, Darcy shirts available now. Masks, of course, always available. You can all find the links again on Twitter and Instagram. Until then, we will talk to you again. Oh, holy shit, you and I forgot, Corey. What? This is, uh, we, I don't know why we didn't spend 20 minutes talking about this. We ranted about us, other stuff. Today's episode, this is episode 69. This is the biggest episode we've ever done. <laughs> it's a very nice episode. This is the nicest episode we've ever done, for sure. And I can't believe it took us 55 minutes to freaking mention it. But yeah, anyway, hope, it's, hope you enjoyed this very nice episode of the show. And we'll talk to you again for episode 70 next week. Good night and good hockey, everybody.